You're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, Bill's Pipes, W Wheels, Moto Ice Wrap, Moto Stuff, and Motul. I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got YP.com, Nuclear Blast, KTM, Slayton Racing Rider, Zach Commons. Zach, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing well out here. I'm just enjoying the uh, sunny California weather today. Beautiful. Well, a whole lot uh, nicer than what I'm dealing with up here, but uh, let's talk a little bit of dirt bikes. But before we do that, I know that, uh, uh, I believe you're, you're an East Coast kid, correct? Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a West Coast guy. I've been uh, California born and raised. California born and raised. Ah, my mistake. Yep. But uh, yep. all right, so the West Coast uh, Conference in the NHL is really heating up this year. As you know, uh, <laughs> they're ex- 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 like very some, some tight hockey. It's a grinding style game. Uh, what do you like about Western Conference hockey? Uh, I'm, I'm a Kings fan, but oh. I don't follow um, other than like Stanley Cup time. You know, then I really jump in hard. Yeah. Um, I believe they refer to me as a bandwagoner. I, I go so. for you know once we're once we're on the top, then I've been there from the grassroots. Uh, but I, I don't follow daily games now. Fair enough. Well, maybe you and Cole, if uh, if LA goes deep into the playoffs, which I don't think is likely uh, this year, uh, maybe you and Cole Seeley can uh, can can catch a few games. Yeah, absolutely. I've been to a couple of games, and uh, I'm actually a really big fan of of the experience at the games. I just don't uh, don't put in the time or the the hard work during the week to grind it out from from home. Well, you know what? Uh, you, you are a professional athlete. You have some other things to attend to. So I'm not super surprised on my part that you would put that stuff ahead of uh, taking in uh, professional hockey games, something that I'll be doing in about three hours' time. <laughs> yeah, I suppose Suppose we have different priority lists. I, um, I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, one of the things that uh, mustn't have been high on your uh, priority list was locking down the number 103 as uh, you're running a, th- a three-digit number this year, but it's not 103 like you were, uh, you're were. you known so well in the amateurs. It's 203. Yep. Explain yourself as to why you weren't able to get the paperwork fast enough in to uh, secure that digit. They actually, they have uh, the AMA or, or Feld, I'm not sure, which, I believe it's an AMA rule, um, that I believe number is 101, maybe 100 now. That may have been why Hanson got nixed, but it was always number 101 through 111 were reserved for foreign champions. Oh, so, uh, yes, uh, that's why. Uh, so I, yeah, I wasn't yeah. able to follow that. Well, I know uh, Cole Thompson, I think, um, you know, I don't know if it's foreign champions or, or foreign riders with a ride. They kind of are blurry on that rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Cole tried to get something in that range there, and, and they shut him down as well. Um, okay. So 203 was kind of the AMA or get. Feld would be uh, foggy on a rule. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I'm just not exactly clear on the rule. I mean, it's. I don't think it's foreign. I don't think you have to have a championship, but it's it's a foreign rider with a, a license, and I don't really know how you qualify for it. I don't know the exact requirement, but um, being that I didn't hold any prior licenses, I knew that it would work for me. 
Fair enough. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you, if you think back that uh, like Jean-Michel Bale ran the, the triple one, same with yeah. uh, um, uh, Greg Albertine wore that, as well as uh, when uh, Mike Healy came back to uh, the States, he wore that uh, uh, in some uh, some four-stroke nationals. But enough about uh, days gone by when you probably weren't even born. Um <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about uh, the preparation going into this season. Your first season as a professional motocross racer in uh, in, in the states. Uh, this time last year, you were getting uh, featured um, in the uh, the the Daytona RC Supercross, the Amateur yeah. Supercross, yeah. and it's nice yeah. to see they're still using your likeness in their advertisements. Yeah, no, that's been cool. I've seen uh, a few different ads on, on Racer X and things with uh, some photos of me and. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a long road since then. I mean, that was, um, prior to, I would say, I think the monster energy cup, which was in October prior to that, the, the last race that I had done was that, that RCSX, um, because as, as a lot of people know, you know, uh, in Freestone, which is coming up in about a week here, it'll be the, the one year anniversary of that. I had a, a real bad yes. crash and, um, a, a real bad head injury. Um, and that took me off the bike, um, and, and just recovering as a person for, uh, around six months, I think a little over. And then I uh, got back on the bike, um, I, I want to say September, um, I think right around September. And so I didn't have much time at all to get ready, but wanted to do the Monster Energy Cup. Um, and actually in that time was able to talk to um, the guys over at Slayton. Um, a mutual friend put me in touch with Chris Elliott. And then, and then Chris put me in touch with um, some of the guys from the team as well. And we all kind of were able to work something out. Um, I guess they just, they took a gamble on me and they were able to see, um, I guess what they thought was promising for my riding beforehand, you know, with no, no recent results to go off of. And we were able to work out a deal, which, I mean, I was obviously beyond ecstatic about from, from where I was um, to be able to, to continue progressing with my dream was, was huge. You know I mean? I, I thought aside from just wanting to ride, I was like, man, the fact that my last year as an amateur, when I really needed to, to make it all happen and I felt like I would be a contender. Now I, I don't have any results at all. I don't, I don't know how yeah. I'm going to keep going with this and, and turn pro. You know, I thought that might be shot. So to have this opportunity has been unreal. Like I'm so blessed and so grateful. You know, I mean, I, I prayed for it for a long time and, and to have that come through was, was amazing. Couldn't agree more. It's it's not unlike the situation that uh, Colt Nichols was facing with his broken femur. Um, <laughs> it's like, um, uh, getting a, a broken bone or sustaining an injury uh, the year you're, before you're supposed to get drafted into the NHL or the NFL or something like that. You don't have any game tape. You don't have any results to uh, mm-hmm. to use as your bargaining chip as to why you deserve to have that top flight ride. Um, but uh, but lucky for you, you're able to uh, lock down a great position over at the uh, the YP nu- Nuclear Blast Slayton Racing KTM team, uh, which is a bit of a mouthful. And um, and uh, you're able to to get, get in with those guys. Chris Elliott over there and um, basically uh, hit the ground running after uh, hitting up some arena cross. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, um, like you said, it, it's just, it's, it's like if you, your last year, you just don't have anything. It's like, Hey man, I don't, I, I believe that I can do it. I believe that I'll be good again, but there's not really much I can show you to convince you. You know, you can take me at my word, but, but every guy is going to try to sell themselves. Um, so I, I just now am trying to deliver as much as I can to those guys, you know, and, uh, uh, we came out and, and I think I did all right for my first opening rounds and then had another small little injury that took me out for another two, which, which bummed me out. Um, but just trying to keep, keep delivering and, and um, making those guys happy about their decision. But yeah, like you said, I had to go out to that arena cross, which was a bummer having to miss uh, a one, 
you know, every kid dreams of, of racing Anaheim one when they're growing up. And then, uh, to be in Cincinnati was not, not ideal, but got it over in one and, and was able to get back for San Diego too. Yeah. For San Diego, like, San Diego. Uh, yeah. Not missing out on a one is like having to uh, show up halfway through proms. Yeah. I had to go play your hockey game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it was, it was rough. It was a bit of a bummer, but, uh, but it was fun racing out there. And I, I definitely gained experience being in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. um, which, which calmed the nerves a little bit going into, uh, going into San Diego. I mean, I know going into Anaheim one with the little racing experience I had had from the year prior would have been, I mean, so nerve wracking. It was unreal, you know, to just jump out right. on the gate and, and be lining up with those guys. So Cincinnati was, although it wasn't ideal for me, and it was something I would have liked to avoid. Um, it was, uh, definitely a good little icebreaker, you know, a little warm up to it, not to, to take anything away from the arena cross guys, all great riders, but you know, it's just not, uh, maybe the same grand stage or at least not hyped up in my mind to be quite the equivalent. So I, I would say it was a good, uh, a good break in run to, to loosen me up and, and get me calm. And you kind of lose a little bit of that buzz by San Diego, you know, and Anaheim one, you got, you got everybody there and, 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 uh, all the lights are on, you know, by San Diego, some people have calmed down a little bit and, and not quite the same hyper pressure. Yeah. Like by San Diego, everyone's supposed to be acting cool. Like it's no big deal. Yep. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like how I am when I'm at, I'm on track walk around a bunch of supercross guys and I'm trying not to freak out. Yeah, nobody really is cool. You're really unbelievably no. excited and freaking out, but you have to act cool. It's, it's, I think right. that was a great comparison right there, yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's, it's nice to see that the, the guys over at Feld have didn't done you the favor of uh, basically uh, making you go race the arena cross, which is not unlike having a uh, uh, basically a, a first-round pick in the NFL going and having to play flag football against a bunch of uh, – <laughs> Uh, five and six year olds to so that you can uh, qualify to race supercross. Yeah, it was uh, it was a bit weird. I mean, I don't know that I would I would call them flag football players. They might beat me up. Some of those guys are pretty gnarly um, okay. and, and pretty fast. You know, um, it, it was an experience, and it was honestly I was I was happy to be able to only do it in one. Um, there was a rule um, that the AMA has that I I wasn't aware of until just before the supercross season started that applied to me and I guess only a few other riders that if you had a certain amount of points by a certain date, um, I think in 2014, um, you were able to get your license before they had really implemented the arena cross rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was one of the few that fell into that category and wasn't aware of it until, you know, only a few months before the season started. And so I, I kind of scrambled and tried to get my license just through that, so that I wouldn't have to go to the arena crosses being yeah. that I missed them last year, obviously. And, uh, I wasn't able to get it all sorted out. And so I went to Cincinnati to, to meet with some people there and talk about it and kind of go through the formality and show the respect, the due respect to the rule and gain that experience. And so once I was there, I, I, I think I rode to an ability that, I mean, my results, I'm not sure what I actually finished, but both motos, I started uh, on the second row due to a crash in the heat race and then won the LCQO second row, both mains and worked up into the top five and was gaining positions and then crashed in both main events. But I, I just think the riding wise, the officials there saw that I was capable, obviously. Um, and they said, Hey, you know, the, this rule applies to you and, and we're okay with graduating you on, you know, you have a team waiting for you there. And, and I was able to get through that, um, quickly. And I, I'm, I'm super appreciative for that. I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, roll my eyes at anyone there because, uh, they certainly could have held me for longer or, uh, made it tougher on me. 
Definitely. Lots to, yep. uh, to hoops to jump through, but when people allow you to uh, uh, not have to go through too much, it's, uh, it's definitely yeah. Uh, yeah. To, your, to your benefit. Um, what about uh, the uh, experience going to Arena Cross was a positive thing for you? You mentioned that it, uh, in your own mind, it wasn't as big of a stage, so the edge is a little bit yep. off and you can make your professional debut that way. But uh, other than that, how did uh, Banging Bars with some of those talented guys over at Arena Cross uh, kind of help you uh, get you set up for Supercross? Because uh, as we know, uh, Supercross or Arena Cross riders are a lot like riding sand. Those guys, it's like uh, a, it's a specific thing they're good at. They're Definitely. they're they're good Definitely. at Arena Cross, and like that's their thing, kind of thing. And um, so, what, what did you pull away from those guys? Yeah, I um, I would say there was a lot to be gained. Um, I think that I think the biggest thing was uh, for the Supercross. You know, at at a Supercross race, the first lap is is super chaotic. You know, trying to fit twenty guys into 10 feet of track, you know, I mean, the track's only so wide and we're all fighting for the same position. Um, there's going to be riders going everywhere and it's super chaotic. And, and that's not something that you can practice ever until you're at the race because at the practice track, you're out there with maybe 10 other guys and, and you're all spaced out enough to keep it safe. You're not going to be uh, banging bars like that. So the arena cross puts 16 riders in four and a half or five feet of space. You know, it's, it's way more yeah. compact than way tighter. And so it's kind of like a, a supercross on steroids. And my joke to the, 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 the arena cross guys when I was there, you know, I talked to uh, Denny Bartz and a few of the other people um, with the Babbitts team and, and just some different guys. I was like, man, honestly, having experienced this now, I feel like we should have to go to supercross to qualify to be good enough for arena cross just because of how stable and steady you have to be not to kill each other. You know, I mean, it, there's bikes everywhere. I, I went to pass a guy for the lead in the LCQ, I passed the guy through the whoops and we were both on opposite sides and I blew past him and we clipped handlebars and it was like, man, that's sketchy, but there's not really any room to give. You know I mean? I, I didn't want to run into people, but there wasn't, there wasn't room not to. Uh, so it yeah. was, it was, like I said, kind of just that, that first lap on steroids, you know? So once I got to Supercross, all of that, which normally would have really frightened me, um, was a bit tamer, you know? I mean, we had, we had an extra few feet to space out and uh, especially in the LCQ at, uh, at Supercross, it, it wasn't going to be nearly as much high pressure or I wasn't nearly as worried about the guy behind me taking me out because I had been through that, that arena cross experience experience, which is um, definitely known for that. Absolutely. In yeah. fact, uh, uh, here here in Winnipeg, we had arena cross back in 2006 where uh, a bike actually, uh, or a rider, um, crashed out of the section that he was in into the next lane, crashing into <laughs> Kyle Beaton, who uh, then uh, broke his bike in half. Uh, and uh, he was actually oh borrowing God. a local guy's bike, so that was kind of funny. Yeah, no, it's it's wild. I, I remember my, my best lap of time qualifying, the best lap I could put together um, when I was blitzing the loops, a rider, I want to say it may have been Benny Bloss. I know a rider went down in the rhythm lane, and uh, three or four tough blocks blew over into the loop section, and I blitzed over two of them and was able to finish out the lap, and that was my best lap in time qualifying, just due to how much else was going on every other lap, whether it be red crosses or, like you said, bikes coming into the different lanes. or It was definitely an act of survival um, just to get through practice and, and get into the main event. So yeah. once you get to Supercross, you're just uh, you're just happy to be among, amongst your brothers to, to race that series because uh, you, you've yeah, survived. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Yeah. That's unreal. Um, but uh, like put it into a scenario, what would you rather have um, if yourself, say if you're in arena cross, you get a bad start and uh, you're coming up uh, behind two guys who are battling each other. You're faster than both of them, trying to make space for yourself to pass both of those guys rather than do that on the wide open spaces of a supercross track. Um, like if you're trying to do the same thing on either track, a lot more difficult with a lot less real estate. Yeah, definitely. I would much rather uh, come up on two guys on a super cross track than an arena cross track. In the arena cross track, I think, honestly, if you came up to two guys that were battling, you have to just be patient and wait until they were done battling. I mean, yeah, once you interject a third out. bike, yeah, once you once you stick a third bike into that small space, the chances of all three of you hitting the ground are, are pretty high. You know, I mean, not not banking on your own skill, but just you, you have to put so much trust into those other two riders. It really depends on who they are. Um, but yeah, just trusting the other guys so much not to not to shoot sideways or miss a shift or, or, you know, even get wheel spin coming out of a turn and suddenly slow down real quick. And then you're, you're all piled up on top of each other. Uh, it was, it was chaotic to say the very least. Yeah. It was like a comparable to a fist fight in a phone booth. Yeah. Just fighting a phone booth. That's incredible. And uh, yeah. I, I just listening, I'm all worked up. So worked up that I think we need to take a break. We need to take a commercial break here. The Big MX <laughs> radio podcast show. It's about five minutes long. Listen to these uh, commercials. Uh, otherwise, hit that 15 second button a few times on the uh, podcast app and you'll you'll skip through them because uh, you're like that. But uh, anyway, listen to these, po- these uh, commercials from uh, Bill's Pipes, Fly Racing, and uh, of course, uh, W Wheels. We'll be right back with Zach Commons. Yo, what up? It's the 7 News Dudes. You're on Big MX Radio. Hit the commercials. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable, sweat-absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice or just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well... You better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. X-Racing Man. But more than box, what Big Jeff likes is a fat bowl. Amigos with Bran. Fat bowl. Amigos with Bran. Oats for power. Brands for speed. Who that taste? What a delicious treat. Cereal bees, Emigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand, that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they're simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web 
at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12, the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. In 2014, X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys who are building wheels for Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock, call up Roy Borden today at 204-633-2722. Bill's Pipes, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone-look finish 
that'll turn heads all day long. Head to BillsPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Lidinovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cody. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. Yo, this is the Seven Deuce Deuce. If you don't listen to Big MX Radio, then you. And we're back. Big MX Radio podcast show still on the line with Zach Commons because he didn't hang up on me in the half second that I took to split from uh, one commercial <laughs> break to coming back to it. And uh, so, yeah, we're still on the line. And, Zach, uh, i got to ask, um, once you were back on the bike in September, uh, it was kind of crunch time. Uh, you like you were looking forward to possibly doing Monster Cup. Uh, I assume uh, straight rhythm was kind of uh, out, of, out of the question for you. But Monster Cup was, was, a, was a possibility. But uh, first and foremost, you wanted to make sure that you were 100% ready for 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 Anaheim or for what you thought was going to be Anaheim ended up being San Diego what was that process like um I understand that you were on a Yamaha before you were on a KTM um getting ready for the Slayton team and but uh when did you first contact them I guess you said through a mutual friend and uh, get those wheels turning to uh create a, a program for you to get ready for Supercross yeah, I um I, I started back riding and and the first uh the first few weeks of starting back, um I was on uh, I was on a, a pro circuit Kawasaki at the time with with still some help from Mitch and um a lot of help from Mitch and uh was able to get back riding and, and really the goal was just to have fun with it. I wasn't I wasn't worried about any particular race or or anything, you know, down the road. Um I uh if there was anything that I learned really big from, from that crash, it was just to look at the short term and enjoy the short term things. Um, and so I, I just looked forward to riding, you know, and the fact that I was able to be able to ride. And so I just enjoyed every day on the bike. And I felt like I made some of my biggest gains with riding just in that mindset of, uh, you know, not, not worrying about grinding it out or, or the laps I didn't want to do or, or anything of that nature. And it, it's been able to stay that way since that I'm so appreciative for the fact that I'm able to ride that it's really fun. And, and I find that I make some really big gains enjoying that and having that fun, you know, I'm a little more creative on the bike. Um, definitely more pliable to make changes. Um, yeah. because I'm, I'm enjoying the process a lot more. So I, I feel like that helped a lot and I was able to get back up to speed really fast just with that mindset and, and kind of, um, outlook on things, you know, it wasn't like, man, I have a lot of work to do. It was like, man, this is a really good time. And, and the speed came along with, um, and so I think it was, I want to say maybe three weeks or at, at max four weeks after I had started riding again, um, I, I told my dad that I wanted to do the, uh, the trans world slam fest because I had, I had just started to ride supercross I did supercross for a couple of days, just because I enjoyed riding supercross a little bit more than outdoors. And it was more fun for me. And, mm-hmm. and I started to have the idea of the, of the monster cup in the back of my mind, but, but wasn't willing to express that to him just yet. And, uh, I, um, I talked him into letting me do the, the slam fest out, uh, at um at milestone on the supercross track there and, and went there and, and had just again that goal of having fun and i think i qualified fourth in practice behind uh i want to say like a lessee may have been third um and it was you know yeah. there were likes of partridge and, and some good riders there um schmidt and uh and was able to uh get through a couple of rounds of that and uh that was a lot of fun racing against those guys in that head-to-head bracket style you know i had a really crazy race with nick schmidt where we ran into each other a bunch and and it was a lot of fun um, and then from there I, uh, continued to kind of progress. And then the, 
<clears throat> the uh, straight rhythm was shortly after that. And I convinced him, Hey man, I want to do straight rhythm. And so we went there and I, I just brought my practice bike out and, and rode practice there and, um, signed up as an alternate, um, for the race. And so I was able to ride that track and experience that. And that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, onward to the, to the monster energy cup. And in that time between then, it may have been just before the, before the straight rhythm, I did, um, a, uh, the spectrum series, which cut with Kyle Cowling and that, uh, Fantasos media. Right. Um, and so that was a, a, a pretty awesome documentary. Um, I don't know if <clears throat> you've seen it yet, but it was, um, I have it, was, actually. It, was, it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was a, a good experience just to, to talk about that stuff and kind of get to tell my story, um, from a, from my perspective. And so yeah, I did that. Some guys have gotten a little bit of heat from those, uh, from those specials, yeah. but, uh, it, it does shed some, yeah, no uh, some, an interesting light. Yeah. There's been some, some seriously controversial ones. I was, uh, I was very clear with Kyle up front that I didn't want to make any enemies. So I made sure to, to tread lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so I did that. And, uh, it was actually Kyle Cowling who, um, was friends with Chris Elliott and said, Hey, you know, these guys are, are looking for somebody. And, and Kyle had been coming out to the track with me, obviously for a couple of weeks to film that. And he talked to, to Chris and said, Hey man, I mean, this, this kid's just started riding again. Not a lot of people are looking at him, but he, he's riding pretty well. And so, uh, I got in touch with those guys and, and then Chris put me in touch with, uh, Bruce, Bruce Slayton, our team owner and, um, some other people. And, uh, we were able to, to put together something and, and get moving forward toward, toward Anaheim or, or yeah, like you said, San Diego. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, and obviously, um, going back to this time last year, you were heavily supported by Mitch, uh, and, and pro circuit. And, uh, by the looks of, uh, of the motorcycle you're riding, uh, he's still, uh, fairly involved and, uh, and yeah. still in your corner with the, uh, uh, the SFF air fork. And, uh, so mm-hmm. I don't uh, doubt that, uh, bones is still helping you week to week, uh, getting the suspension Definitely. dialed in as well as, uh, the exhaust system. So in a lot of ways, uh, it's, it's a bit of a pro circuit KTM as well. Definitely, they're uh, they're they're building our motors as well. So it is it is by all means a, a pro circuit KTM. Um, it, it's been unreal for me to have that support from Mitch all this time. Um, it started back when I was I think maybe fourteen. Um, I stayed with the the Cian Cerullo family a lot and, and got to know Mitch through them and and he started helping me out and we've just uh, become really close family friends with him and uh, spent a lot of time staying out at his house and, and with his family and his boys and and. Uh, yeah, we used to we used to make the joke that I I didn't ride for Pro Circuit, I rode for for Ty and Tanner Racing. His boys were the ones that sponsored me, not him. Yes, um, love it. And so he he's done a tremendous amount for me, obviously. And and to have that, I think I'm the only KTM with that SSF Air stuff. And um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I personally, so. yeah, I personally am a huge fan of it. Like I was, I was so stoked when I realized that we would be able to put that on the bike, just because of the adjustability and the comfort level I have with it is is next level compared to anything else that I've ridden. And I, I know there's comparable suspension out there, but the way I feel on that stuff, um, that was a game changer for me. And so to have, have him in my corner through all of this has been uh been massive. And you know, like we had I know I know Cole touched on it when he was on the show, we had a, a limited amount of time with getting the bikes ready. And um that was something that Mitch was able to adhere to really well. He he threw stuff together really fast. And we're we're still developing the bike and, and still getting better with the engine and and um, it's it's exciting to to be able to work with with those guys still. What was your uh, transition like going from the uh, the, the the Kawasaki then to uh, yep. a short period of time to the Yamaha and then over yep. to a, a steel framed or a chromoly framed bike? Uh, very 
like uh, for most people have said, uh, you jump onto a, uh, a KTM, they always kind of feel a little bit different. Obviously, you're in common ground or familiar ground with the with the pro circuit suspension, but uh, still had to be a little bit of a, a curve for you. Or are you are you one of those guys who could jump on my bike and uh, and go just as fast as you do anyway? Uh, I don't I don't know if I would say that I can go just as fast. I mean, I can I can go a decent speed pretty quick, but um, it, it definitely takes me some time to to really get that that hundred percent comfortability. You know, I can get to eighty percent pretty fast but then I'll stay there for a while. And um, that was something that I struggled with, even with the KTM. You know, I don't know that I ever got perfectly comfortable on the Yamaha. Um, it was a good bike for sure. Um, my joke at the time was that I was, I was going to be sponsored by Skittles, and that was going to be my title sponsor because I had jumped through so many colors in the course of a month um, after being on Cowie for, for four or five years. Oh, yes. But, um, you know, so obviously I had that, that maximum comfortability with the Kawasaki, and I, I knew exactly what it would do at any time and i could see a bump and i knew exactly what the bike would react to that just because of that developed time um and then the yamaha i rode for uh, i think two or three weeks um maybe a little bit more i think i think right around two or three weeks and so not enough time to really get super comfortable on it but um i rode some supercross on it it was it was a good bike for sure um and then getting on the ktm really it seemed much more comparable to the kawasaki for me at least than the yamaha did um, so I felt kind of back at home with it just because the Yamaha has kind of that, that wider stature or maybe a, feels a little bit taller as well. Yeah. And then to get back onto the, the narrower KTM and, um, like you said, that, that steel frame kind of gives it a little bit more, I don't, I don't know if it's a flex feel or what it is, but it just, more it doesn't forgiving. feel quite as it's, yeah, it doesn't feel quite as stiff or as rigid almost. Um, and so both of those factors brought me more back to the comfortability of the Kawasaki. Um, and then uh, just developing it, it, its own comfort, you know, it, it had some, some different things to it. Um, all good things. I, I'm a big fan of the bike. Um, took me a while to get comfortable with. And I, I felt like that really didn't click that I was super comfortable on it and felt like I, I knew what it would do until um, I would say Oakland, honestly, which is a, a terribly long time. But that was when I finally felt like, man, I can, I can close my eyes and imagine doing that rhythm lane. And then when I go out and do it, it it's exactly as I imagined it. There's nothing different you know, um, which oh, is a great, great feeling to have. Yeah. It's a great feeling to have, which I, I now have back on the bike. Now I, I feel that total comfort with it, which is, I, I, I don't know how to express it exactly in words. I know it sounds kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked to have that back and, and to be able to go racing with that again. will be good. Well, it, it's, it's not unlike, uh, having to basically, um, you, anytime you get anything brand new, your body has to adjust to it. It has to adjust to you a little bit and, uh, somewhere you, you meet sort of in the middle of what it sounds like from you is that, uh, the Yamaha was kind of like, uh, um, like getting a new girlfriend that's a little taller than you're used to dating, a little heavier than you're used to dating, yep. a little wider than you're used to dating. And then once, uh, you were done with her, then, uh, you went back to a girl that was a little slimmer, a little lighter. And, uh, this one is a little bit more understanding than the the Kawasaki was definitely she's um I'm yeah yeah I don't know where to go with that analogy I don't know I can't build on that (laughs) Zach wants to steal clear of that all those comments Uh, yeah any reference to riding will go will go seriously askew with that comparison (laughs) <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, like how the uh, the Slayton Racing team kind of em- embraced you, brought them into your their team, and they've been super supportive uh, throughout your uh, building up you as an athlete, coming back, and uh, eventually uh, meeting up with the team uh, in in San Diego. Uh, it, it's a great program for you, and in a lot of ways, I think it's uh, it's it's, it's g- good enough equipment. Uh- 
that you can you can uh, like justify it. Uh, it does your skills justice, uh, and um, it, it's going to allow you to uh, really maximize uh, what you're capable of doing uh, throughout the rest of, uh, of of the of the Supercross season. And then, obviously, uh, you're probably looking for something to do outdoors. Yeah, I um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm super appreciative for for the opportunity from those guys, and and they've definitely uh, embraced me with open arms. Um, everybody with the team has been super understanding. I mean, when we were, when we were at, uh, going to, to San Diego, you know, obviously I have, have my own expectations and my own, um, I, I would, I would say kind of hype or, or whatever it was that I, I built up in my own head of, of how I should be doing, where I should be finishing. And, um, and that, that put some stress on me, but everyone from the team was, was the complete opposite. Um, I mean, Bruce, Bruce, our team owner called me beforehand and said, Hey man, this is a freebie. We didn't think you'd be back yet. We didn't think you'd be able to start racing Supercross until the next round. And so uh, just take this and, and learn with it. He said, if you go out there and ride practice and you're not comfortable and you don't do a single jump on the track, then you didn't do a single jump on the track. I'm not going to lose it. That's, that's understandable. But next week, do a couple more jumps. He said, as long as we're making progress, that's what we're looking for. Um, and obviously that was a, a big exaggeration, you know, but that was, that was the way he put it. And that was very comforting to me to hear that they didn't, they didn't expect me to, uh, you know, light the world on fire right out of the gate. Um, I just had to kind of uh, take it slow and, and, and um, get my feet under me. And so it's really been the only, the only uh, pressure I've had so far in the season has been from, from my own expectations and, and from myself, which is, is still quite a bit. I expect a lot of myself, and I don't think I've, I've met my expectations by any means yet. Um, I think I'm on the track to getting there. Um, but uh, still got some work to do um, through the remainder of the Supercross season. So uh, obviously, uh, you, you came in uh, off of the, the the brain injury in September. Uh, all things were good going into San Diego, and then uh, uh, which uh, which round did you end up getting uh, getting injured again? Uh, Phoenix and practice at Phoenix. Last lap of practice. practice at Phoenix. So you put yourself back on the shelf, and uh, I got to ask. Where uh, where are we at with that uh, with that injury? Like as we've seen with many athletes in just about every sport now, uh, it's a delicate thing. It's a it's a process to come back, but uh, but we we always wish that they'll be able to uh, uh, basically pick up where they left off. Um, Post concussion sy- sy- symptoms at all while you're riding right now? Uh, and um, what what are you doing uh, between uh, while this break is is it a lot of snowboarding? Uh, uh, <laughs> Mad skills, motocross. What, what's the deal there? Yeah, I, um, I, I, you know, in the to go way back in the time that I had off, obviously, um, you know, the, the six month period I had off when I initially had that injury, um, there I realized there wasn't a lot um, to be known about head injuries. You know, I went to my first visit to the neurologist. Um, he expressed to me that hey, we we know more about space and the ocean than we really do about the human brain. You know, he says there are billions and billions of, of connections and, and synapses in your brain that that we don't even know exactly what they do. So, so the recovery from a concussion is different for everybody and, and it, it can't be scaled or, or measured other than by, you know, very um, subjective, you know, just progress and, and, and monitoring your progress and, and, and how you answer questions or how you feel, um, which it frustrated me that there were no, no objective tests to tell me that I was healed. You know, there was no x-ray to say, hey, everything's healed up, you're good to go. Um, so I took that time to, to read as much as I could and learn as much as I could about the brain. And so, uh, after, after the crash in Phoenix, I would say that I, I knew quite a bit about, um, what was going on right away. And it, it wasn't a really, 
a terrible crash or, or a, you know, it was a, a very minor concussion I had from that. Um, and I, I think a lot of riders and close friends of mine would have continued riding or, or jumped right back on the bike right away. But just knowing what I knew and knowing that I did have a concussion, you know, although no major symptoms or obvious signs, I, um, I decided I should take a few weeks off. And so I waited, uh, a little over three weeks, you know, missed those next two rounds and then a, a week into the break. And then I just started riding again, um, last week and no, no symptoms at all of, of anything with the concussion. And, and really it was frustrating because I didn't feel any major concussion symptoms during the time that I was off. I mean, I didn't really feel any at all. And so it was like, Hey man, I feel totally fine. I really want to ride, but deep down, I know that's not the best choice because I'm not willing to be one of those guys that, uh, that takes a risk with it and, um, and regrets that, you know, in, in the long term, I, it's a long life and uh, I, I live to race dirt bikes, but there's no need for me to, to die senselessly racing dirt bikes. So just tried to make the smartest decision I could and took off, I think some more time than I needed to maybe with it. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, back on the bike now, and I, I don't feel any symptoms at all. I feel totally good on the bike um, this whole last week and going to use this break these remaining few weeks to um, try to gain as much as I can. You know, I had a lot of work to do. Um, even just at Phoenix when I, I felt pretty good at the time of the crash, but there's, there's a lot of improvement I can still make. And, uh, I view it as after talking with, uh, Ryan Clark, you know, he kind of had a good analogy for me that it was just pick off the low hanging fruit, you know, during the season, once you started the season, there's not, there's not a lot of time to make huge gains, but if you look at the tree, you find the low hanging fruit and pick the ones that are easiest to get, find the things in your riding that are the simplest flaws and the, the easiest gains to make and just clean up all those things. You know, um, if the season starts and you can't go five laps in fitness, you're not going to be able to go 15 by the end, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of where it's at. And so it's, I mean, not that that's my problem, but, but just find the small things. And, and so I'm working on, you know, really basic fundamental things, foot position, um, body position in the loops, different things like that, that I, I think should have some big gains, hopefully, if I'm able to clean it all up and, and really implement it into my racing. So, uh, I, I feel really positive about the remainder of the break. And I think I'm going to be able to get a lot of good work done. So what's the approach when you do hit the track? Uh, are you breaking the track up into sections? Are we working on sprints? Is it, uh, is it 15 lap races, uh, uh but, or, or 15 lap, uh, like motos or, uh, or is it a combination of all, all, all three and, uh, which is your favorite way to, uh, to dissect a track and, uh, put it all back together? Yeah, for me, it's, it's definitely a mixture of all of the above. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of 15s, um, but I've, I've done, I mean, I would say I've done several. Um, I have more than several. I've done quite a few, I guess, but, but I don't do 15s every day by any means. Yeah. I'm just saying I I don't go out every day and and do, you know, three 15s and then head home. Uh, I like to focus, um, a little bit more on speed. And then just lately, you know, this last week of riding, been doing a lot of section work with my dad. Um, just because like I said, I trying to make those, those fundamental gains. Um, and so burning in 15 laps and then coming off and having him say, Hey man, you were dragging your foot over there. You know, it's like, eh. I wasted 14 laps of, of repeating it and beating that into my head. So I, I may as well hit the section three times. He can video, we can come off, we can talk about it and we can fix it. Um, and then do our laps kind of at Post the end of the Instagram day. Video. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I've been having him do some video and, um, just watching it myself. And then, uh, you know, cause it's, it's lately, it's just been he and I going out to the track. And so, uh, he, he raced in his day, but, but he doesn't have a whole lot of input. So I have him video. I come off, I watch it. We talk about it and then uh, kind of give him what I want him to, to look for the next time I go out or, or what I would like to fix and have him keep an eye on that. And uh, I think it's been working good so far this week. You know, I feel, feel really comfortable and I feel, 
like I'm already starting to make some improvements. So how, how cool is that to have uh, your dad in the corner uh, that uh, takes me back to uh, my first days on the bike, learning just learning things and gives you some tips and probably knows how to pr- approach you with uh, uh, constructive criticism better than anybody else would. Uh, um, also probably knows how to get into your skin better than anybody else would. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, cool to be able to go out there and uh, and break things down with dad who's been doing that with you since day one and uh, yeah. probably comes in handy as as a practice bike mechanic as well because uh, lord knows all you know how to do is change the air filter actually he um <laughs> <laughs> he uh he took a step back a while ago um when i was i would say maybe 15 ish um i like i said i spent a lot of times uh a lot of time with the csv family in that time and uh out in florida and so he wasn't with me and uh even when i was out here in california with him i would go i'd go riding with them or i'd go riding with other people and uh you know, he was working a lot and still supporting me in many ways, but, but wasn't at the track with me and, and wasn't willing to do the bike work. You know I mean? If, if he had been at work all day and I had been riding all day, he said, Hey man, why, why should, why should I do it over you? You know, we were both tired. So, um, I, I did all of my own bike stuff for, uh, for several years. Um, and that was, I mean, everything from, from tires to, to pulling motors to, to the point that I, I would go down to pro circuit occasionally and pull the top end off and start pulling things apart and, and helping those guys rebuild stuff. Um, so I'm pretty knowledgeable now of that stuff. Not, not so much with the KTM now. Um, that's quite a bit different, but, um, I, I knew quite a bit about the Kawasaki at least, but it, it's, it's been awesome having him. I mean, he's done a tremendous amount of work just since I've been back riding after that injury. Um, he has been very hands-on, you know, him and my mom talked about it and, uh, he's been working less and, uh, he's been just every day that I go to the track, he's with me. He comes with me. We, it's, uh, him, myself and our, uh, our yellow lab Huck come out to the track and uh, we have our, our little program and our routine and, and like you said he does the practice bike stuff and and he's um he's been a, a tremendous support through that he doesn't have a whole lot of input like i said at the track he doesn't uh i mean, he's kind of the guy that like i come off and i'm like hey man how did it look and he's like oh it was, it was good you're better than most and i'm like all right like what what can i do better and he goes oh it looked pretty good to me and it's like all right, well, what what like specifically and he's like oh I'm, I'm not sure like you're not doing it as fast as dungy and it's like, yeah, what, what's Dungey doing different? Oh, I'm not sure. He's hitting it faster, I think. Like, there's not a lot of... Uh, clicking you know, gears. I don't know. Feedback. It does. Uh, yeah. Last time I exactly. rode it was dual shocks. Exactly. So he um, he doesn't have a ton of input, and I, I think part of that is just him not wanting me to uh, to push it too hard or, or whatever it is, but uh, he's always out there and he's willing to help. So we, we talk about it together, and we work it out, and we, we see what we can work on. And then, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll give him some things. I'm like, hey, watch for this. You know, just Just keep an eye on my foot right here. Or, or video it and I'll watch it or, or whatever it may be. And, and, and it's not like that every day. He certainly is very helpful um, technique-wise as well. So, so definitely definitely stoked on that, to have it back to, uh, like you said, the grassroots of it. I mean, I think that's how most of us have our, our first memories of riding, just uh, you and Pop and the dog going out to the track and, and, and having some good times and enjoying it. And so that's what we've been doing a lot lately is, is just enjoying it and enjoying our time together. You know, I mean, these are, these are the best years of, of our lives without a doubt. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Those first days deeply ingrained in all uh, racers mind, whether it be uh, mom yeah. or dad at the track. Uh, I like, I can remember everything about the first time that I uh, threw a leg over my 1999 DS80, uh, brand new. And, uh, yes, I looped that thing over almost immediately. Yeah, were you, and, were you wearing like some, some hockey gear and that you had like a Maple Leafs jersey on and, and there was some snow falling in the background or that's a swear word in this house. Uh, we're Winnipeg <laughs> Jets fans. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, but uh, I think I was wearing uh, I was wearing baseball batting gloves. Um, yep. Adidas sweatpants, like just runners. And wow. my dad's old bell helmet from the 70s and no goggles. But That's I thought awesome. the batting gloves were important because they looked like motocross gloves. No, it is. It's it's looking the part is far more important than the actual safety. Much yeah. like wearing your dad's helmet. At least you had a helmet on. Yeah, no looked, doubt. I was probably legit. nine years old wearing a helmet that yeah. was meant for an adult. <laughs> yep. As long as you look the part, that's uh, that's the biggest that's the biggest deal. I couldn't agree more, my friend. Uh, so, what is it, the thing that that uh, you have to work on more than anything? Like, what is uh, not to? Uh, I, I doubt your your uh, your competition is listening, but uh, what's your greatest weakness <laughs> like? Ooh, greatest weakness. I would say uh, I would say so far my greatest weakness, at least at the races, has been uh, looking at monster the, girls. Yeah, right. Um, probably the whoops. <laughs> Um, I mean, looking at the monster girls through the whoops, you know, has been the, Problems, <laughs> the biggest yeah. struggle. Yeah. Just because it's hard to get a good view. So I wish they would take the whoops out so that I could look at them down the straightaway. Yeah. How do you think when Barabin they put the does, it, in, uh, does yeah. both at the same time though? What? What's that? How do you think Tyler Barabin does both at the same time though? He seems He's good at it. That. He's good. Yeah. But he, he does a lot. He gets a lot of air time. He looks at him in the true. air. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a big air guy, mm. but, uh, no, I, I would say the whoops have probably been, um, my biggest struggle, um, just in that, I mean, at the practice tracks, I typically feel pretty good in them. Um, but at the races, they've been much bigger so far. You know, I mean, the ones at Anaheim too were, were ferocious and I, uh, I had never really crashed in loops prior to, to going there. And then I, I crashed in those four or five times throughout the night. I mean, I crashed once in the heat race and once in the LCQ in them. And so it was, uh, it was a nightmarish experience for sure. Um, but I, I know, you know, like I said, that's, that's one of my low hanging fruit. That's one thing that's, it's not that hard to gain. You know, there are a lot of guys that can get through the whoops and, and I'm able to get through them at a decent speed. I just need to have uh, a little more confidence and, and I want to be one of the guys that you see go through the whoops and it's, it's impressive. You know, I want to be one of the, one of the better end of, uh, of the field because that's certainly a, a big place to gain. Um, I think a lot of riders have made a career off of just being great in the whoops, you know? So, um, Travis Preston. <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of riders that are, are really strong other places. I mean, I would put Davey Millsaps and Justin Brayton on that list as well. They're, yeah. they're very solid riders and, and very not to take anything away from them. They're very fast everywhere, but a track with some big, big hefty whoops. And, and those guys are in the mix for the win, you know, um, whereas otherwise they may be third or fourth place or, or whatever it may be. Um, you know, I, I think there was a race two, two or three years ago where, uh, where Brayton battled with, with RV for the lead for a long time through the main event. Um, it's Phoenix. Just, just because, yeah, just because there were some big whoops and he was able to, to kill it. You know, it was, yeah, it was pretty killer. It was back when he was working with uh, Buddy Antonis and I was with, with Buddy at the same time. And, and I remember all of our, all of our guys that worked with Buddy were so stoked on that. Like it was just, uh, I would like to be one of those guys, you know I mean? That's a, a good place to make up. Every track's going to have a set of whoops. So if you can Except be quick enough, it's, it's a big place to gain. Yeah. The only place you won't find those is Monster Cup, but I totally agree. I know, yeah, that's yeah. the the one obstacle in track. Like everyone can jump the triples, just about everyone yep. can can uh, time those big rhythm sections or or get that quad that that's difficult to do because you all have the motor. But uh, there's certain tracks where if I see 
uh, a big rhythm, a big whoop section. Uh, I don't want to single anybody out, but there's certain guys who happen to be uh, yep. under five four, uh, five foot four uh, tall. That I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna slide them down a couple of spots as far as my motocross fantasy uh, picks are, are concerned because um, they're gonna have issues, and uh, you yourself not one of them, mainly because you just give those that whoop section like a strong blue steel, and they just behave. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm able to survive them and able to get through them um, for sure. I just want to be one of those guys that's, that's impressively fast through them. So I would say that's my biggest area of focus right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, a, a big set is, is definitely intimidating. It doesn't matter who you are, you know. Well, an impressive whoop video uh, is uh, we're just waiting for it on Instagram. For those who are, <laughs> yeah. are not already following you, uh, you know, twelve thousand eight hundred strong so far. Uh, Zach Commons, uh, not a very common name because it was so easy to find uh, or so easy to get that uh, on your uh, your Instagram. But it's Z A C. Your last name Commons, and uh, yeah, go go follow Zach. Give him some love and um, continue encouraging him on his way to uh, more success throughout the rest of uh, the remaining rounds of the West Series uh, coming up. Like um, you got, as you said, you just, you just started riding last week, but uh, you're still quite a few weeks off of the Santa Clara. So, uh, what's the plan for for uh, dialing yourself in uh, with the Slate and Racing crew? Yeah, we have. Uh, I think we have. I think roughly four weeks. I think it's. Uh, is the eighth right i think we have i think roughly four weeks um yes. until we uh until we go racing and so just uh you know keep keep working on those things like i said uh trying to make as many gains as i can between now and then on the supercross track a lot of guys are are starting to gear toward outdoors um and i i don't know exactly what i'm gonna be doing for outdoors you know i mean uh i definitely plan to do the opening rounds um out here on the west just because they're they're easy to get to and and i i, I want to pursue that so um just in these in these next coming weeks, I'm going to try to stay as focused as I possibly can on Supercross. I think that'll be a, a good little advantage um, as a lot of guys kind of gear toward outdoors. Um, and just, just make those gains with the team. And, and we're still making progress with the bike. Like I said, uh, I have a motor, practice motor that just went in yesterday um, for me to ride tomorrow that, that should be better yet than, than what we've been racing on. So um, things on, on all fronts, things are, are growing and progressing. And um, I'm just hoping to keep doing that with my results, keep keep growing and progressing. You know, we only have two rounds left, but I would like to uh, to, to keep improving and, and hopefully get to where I, I would like to be finishing by the end of the season. Any chance that you could uh, sneakily uh, squeeze a 350 engine inside that frame of yours to uh, get some extra good starts? That would be that would be a pretty sneaky move. I certainly wouldn't say that on a radio show. But uh, uh, fair enough. <laughs> far too many listeners for that. Too many witnesses. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, hopefully all Canadian listeners. Hope you'll be all right. Mostly, yeah. and I'm sure most of them also work at FXR, a, uh, a gear company that uh, um, gaining traction uh, last year, but more now than ever, of course, with yourself and as well as Alex Ray, uh, racing with it every single weekend uh, that you guys are racing in, in Supercross. Really cool. Uh, tell me a little bit about the switch to that brand, Andy White over there, uh, getting you uh, just about head to toe. Yeah, those guys have been awesome. Uh, it's been It's been super cool. Um, to, to jump on board with a, a Canadian company that I wasn't, I wasn't super familiar with, you know, and um, they sent me, a, I remember right from the get go, they sent me a, a goodie bag. They, they overnighted a bag out from Canada right away and uh, had, you know, some different sizes of, of gear for me to, to try on and figure out what fit best. And 
and it had some jackets and some different stuff. And I was, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. I mean, I, I've seen some gear in the past, um, that, you know, isn't, isn't necessarily the best quality. It looks really good, but isn't, isn't the best quality. Um, this stuff is, is really nice. You know, it's really high end stuff. And, uh, they, they sent some jackets some cold weather jackets, um, for when I, I go and visit Canada. So yeah, I'm prepared, not, what you're, you know? not sure what you're going to do with that, but sure. <laughs> no, I, I got them hanging in the closet looking pretty, but Keep it's all, you know, I mean, I, warm. I, I, I'm, yeah, I mean it genuinely. I'm, I'm not just saying that it, it really is. I was, I was surprised for sure at how high quality everything was. And, and it all, um, it's all really, really well done and, and well put together and some really bright and, and vibrant designs. I mean, I, uh, I don't think a single person in the stadium has missed me when I've ridden past yet. You know, no, even, it even actually those, does look like those bright light. Yeah, I, I pop like I, I feel like I, uh, I look like I have a glow stick sponsor. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty vibrant. Tough, tough to miss uh, the, the the creative team over at FXR, uh, including the mm-hmm. likes of uh, Carson Sloviak, as I call him, uh, putting in some solid work and making sure that that gear is looking uh, awesome. In fact, I should send you some pictures of what the gear looked like uh, oh, 10 years ago. Where, like the, the company only started, I believe, in 2002 or 2003 uh, of like fully making gear full-time. Uh, and it's actually yeah, it's yeah. a lot bigger in snowmobile stuff. But uh, really cool yeah. to see you in the stuff, man. And, uh, yeah, like, uh, that stuff literally, uh, I, I took lessons like moto, like, like my motocross lessons from Matt Ham and Aaron Weave. Like they, those guys were my dudes and I'm sure you've been connected with them. No, it was, um, it, they, they have some cool stuff. They have, uh, that, uh, very Canadian, uh, what is it? It's like a, uh, real tree camo, yes. real tree camo. I don't know if you've seen that stuff. Very Canadian stuff. It's, it's pretty sure. bitchin'. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's all white. It's got like legit real leaves. Like mm-hmm. if you were to, I, I took a photo the first day I wore that stuff of me laying in the brush out at Star West, and I, I laid down out in the middle of the track and all the and all the trees, and it's it's some pretty cool stuff. They've got um, some very different very different things going on that I uh, I'm a big fan of. But yeah, like you said, Carson and Andy have been have been super cool. I uh, didn't didn't have any relationship or any knowledge of those guys until until just this year, and they've been um, they've been a huge support. And, and really good dudes. I've become friends with both of them just uh, in the short time that we've known each other. That's ah, really cool. We're, we're friendly Canadians. It even says so on our life. Uh, friendly Manitobans. It even says so on our license plate. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I've been a fan of the Canadians that I've gotten to know. You know, I mean, uh, Chris Elliott obviously is, is a great dude and has been working oh, yeah, with our I... team. And, and he, he's been awesome. And um, even uh, even my teammate Cole Thompson. You know, he's oh, yeah, uh, Cole Thompson. Can- Canadian, great Canadian at heart. Yeah, Canadian at heart. Easy to uh, easy to miss his Canadian accent and his Canadian nature. He's not uh, quite as Canadian as you or Chris, but not um, quite as Canadian. Uh, me and Chris, we sound pretty Canadian sometimes, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Like like Cole will spell my name V A C. He doesn't he doesn't throw in the Z like you did. Oh Z, yeah. yeah. No, it's a, it's a yep. Y Z one twenty five uh, for yep. uh, up here. Yeah. Yep. That's fair uh, enough. Uh, yeah, no, I've certainly been a fan of the Canadians that I've gotten to know. I don't have uh can't think of a, of a bad Canadian yet. So you've got that going for you. Fair enough. I'm trying to think of anyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not not even. Uh, uh, no, can't think of a single I, I watched, bad Canadian. Uh, Jim Carrey. I, I'm yeah, I'm a big fan of Goldie. All the all the announcers really are like unreal for the Canadian Nationals. Like oh, Goldie, yeah, 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 Goldie. Dude, it's it's badass to watch like the 
Every time it's different, but the whole shit. Who's gonna get that royal it's, distributing it's, whole shit? It's Mudags oh, out front oh, with the crossover <laughs> move. Ambulance <laughs> behind him. What's going on here? Here he comes. Yep. Like, Every time. Up over the big money He's on the gas in a yep. big way. Oh, yeah. Yep. Grew up a big cross up guys. over the booter. the ears just, of anyone who's listening just now. It's so awesome. I love it. It, it makes racing so much more exciting. Like, if only Fro could announce like that. Yes, like, it, but that's like that. They're, that's how they're talking about like the battle for twenty third, like nineteen Absolutely. minutes no, into uh, into a, a Cana- like a an, like a Canadian national between two like it's two sick. local guys that no one knows. And about. they it's cut. Awesome. How about they cut to the local guys that nobody knows, and they suddenly have nicknames for them. They've known yeah. the guys the whole time. It's so sick. The yeah, coaches. They actually do I, I know those guys. <laughs> I was watching a race from last year, and Dakotas was battling, I think, for the lead. But up comes Dakotas. And it was like just these awesome nicknames that I've never heard anyone say. Yeah. And they're so stuck. It, it's the coolest stuff ever. Yeah. Co- uh, yeah, Brian, yeah, Brian Coster just calls him Dakotas. We'll not call him yeah. Dakotas. <laughs> Dakotas <laughs> right. up in front. He's it's all so over the fun. back of Benoit. <laughs> Benoit out there, he's taking care of business on that KTM. Yeah. Any thoughts uh, it, to switch makes, to the two-stroke uh, on the in in the outdoors if you come up in Canada? If I oh, if I come up to Canada, I would love to, but I think you guys isn't there a rule? Does you have to? Oh be, yeah, you have uh, to you be have Canadian. To be a, yeah, yeah, you got to be a Canadian national. That's kind of one of those bogus rules. That's it. Like but, they keep uh, changing it. The funniest thing, like the first year, they're like, "Yeah, have have a two-stroke, whatever you want." Okay, Benoit comes out and <laughs> kills everyone on like a yeah. works two two fifty yeah. two-stroke. They're like, "Okay, has to be stock." All right, now uh, you have to be Canadian. You have to um, be uh, you have to be on a B level team, and you have to be married to your second cousin. Yeah, no, it's the weirdest. It's almost like Arena Cross started to develop those kind of rules for Bowers. They had some rules that I, I was Anti-power waiting for. To, rule. They did. They, I mean, like he had a huge lead, and then all of a sudden, toward the end of the series, like four rounds to go, they're like, "Oh, we're going to reset points." And it was like, "What? Well, you didn't say that at the beginning of the season. You said that once he had a hundred and forty point lead." You know, yeah. they had some, some rules that were a little bit just funky and, and kind of um, askew or, or strange. Um, yeah, you guys got – that's one of your one of your strange rules up there, um, kind of similar to our, our number 101 through 111 being reserved down here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I remember talking to, to uh, Tyler and him being like, I'm pretty sure that late in the series there wasn't a, like a, a zero or an eight. It was always the full uh, – it was always the full flop for me. I'm like, that's – yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for him to like start developing. Like, if you're number one, you have to start backward. Like, yeah. you know, like just some Dead really basic in se- yeah in in sixth gear. Um, yeah, if your last name if your last name is Bowers, you have yeah. to have a stalled engine. So it was just yeah. him, but it was like, hey, Head anybody named Bowers? Yeah, bike upside down, yeah. flooded. They had some the yeah, they had off. some rules that were that were definitely aimed at him, but uh, but didn't uh, they just didn't say it? But yeah, anyhow. I, Zach, um, when was the I last time you were on a two-stroke? Ooh, last time I was on a two-stroke. I rode a, a KX125, a 2005 KX125 for a year and a half when I was like 13. Um, and I, it's, I mean, it sounds much more glorious than it is. Hey, I have you that know? bike. You shut your mouth. No, I mean, it, it really, it, that's why I say it sounds glorious, and it, it even sounds glorious to me now, but I, I think back to the time I spent on it. I mean, 2005 was the last year that Cowie made one, so it was, I mean, yeah. 
although over a decade ago now, the newest model you could get. Um, and it was, it was a pretty good bike. I mean, I had obviously, you know, Mitch was helping me out some then as well. And he, if there were any parts to be had for that, he, he's got them sitting there. Um, and, and we blew the dust off of them and I rode them and it was, I think as good as it was going to get for a 125, but just having ridden a KX 250F and then riding the 125, it was, it was hellish to be honest. I mean, like it was, it was brutal. I mean, especially because I was out in Florida, so I was riding sand tracks out there. Um, and it was unforgiving and, and relentless trying to ride that thing for, for 25 or 30 minute motos, just practicing out there in the sand. Um, but I think now a, a 125 or, or more so a 252 stroke out here. And especially one of these ones that KTM has that are brand new and, and pristine yeah. um, would be, would be a pretty bitching experience. I, I see that being pretty fun. No doubt. Well, uh, maybe, maybe a play bike for the, uh, for the off season, but uh, yeah. let, let's wrap this thing up here on the big MX radio podcast show. Uh, Zach, I know you've got a lot of great sponsors. Uh, do me the favor of running those down for me and uh, letting us know who supports you and who helps you uh, each, uh, each day so that when you get to the races, all you have to worry about is going fast. Yeah. I mean, uh, absolutely. We have, uh, we have a really good solid group of guys behind us. Um, you know, uh, YP.com, Nuclear Blast, Pro Circuit. Um, I've got DC Shoes, Scott Goggles, Justified Cultures, Showy, FXR, Form of Boots, all as, as personal sponsors. You know, and then we have uh, Dunlop, Mastel Linens, Recluse, Motographics, X-Trig, Intec, DID, W, Acherby's, Renthal, MotorX, Works Connection, Matrix Concepts, TM Design Works, Motul, and uh, Guts Racing. You know, I think that kind of rounds off the bulk of it. Um, a, a lot of names to be listed and a, a lot of personal people to be thanked, you know, I mean, uh, Bruce Slayton, John, uh, Ryan Clark, you know, like I said, Chris Elliott, there's a, a lot of guys with us working hard. Um, and I, I, I can't thank everybody enough for the opportunity. Um, considering that, you know, this time or, or a couple of weeks from now last year, I wasn't sure that I would be, be riding much at all other than just for fun and to be able to continue pursuing my dream. Um, and what I've wanted to do my whole life is, is such an unreal experience. You know, like I said, I, I, I prayed for it. And, um, I, I think the, the good Lord provided for me in a, in a big way with these people. And, uh, I, I can't express enough my appreciation for that. Well, I can't express my appreciation of you for giving me an entire hour of your time. Um, it's been a long time since we threw it to commercial and, uh, it's been a great conversation. Uh, welcome you back on the show anytime you like, uh, unless you call me up at like two o'clock in the morning and then we're not, not going to do that, Zach. It's okay. Like I, I, I'm two hours ahead of you. I don't want to talk at 12 o'clock at night, especially if you're going to beat me at mad skills that you keep doing all the time, but it's whatever. But uh, like I said, um, Really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, don't hang up just yet for podcast sake. We'll cut it off right there. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content. guys this is seven dudes dudes if you haven't got the hills yet go to itunes right now type in the hill no that's that's not gonna work because it's probably gonna come up the weekend just uh just type in seven dudes and also you'll find it 
Sandhead to Hills. 